Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study here at Celebration Church. I am Mark Gunger, pastor here. We are in the book of 2 Kings, the 6th chapter and verse 8. And it reads, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Now this is uh, in this section that we are reading about the life of Elisha, the prophet, this incredible prophet who's doing all these amazing miracles. Uh, the, the repeating theme seems to be they're fighting with these Arameans. Um, and it's, it, it's a very strange time in the world, and it's very much like it was during a medieval time in Europe, where these kings would fight each other, uh, but still got along at some level. It was, they, they had respect for each other. It was like this in Europe. I mean, some of them were even related to each other, these kings and stuff. And they would use people as pawns to fight over just sometimes portions of property and stuff like that. They obviously had no respect for human life or very low consideration for human life. Certainly it was the case in the Middle Ages and so was uh, here. In fact, I dare say the, the majority of human history has been like this. Very, 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 very weird. We've read before how kings would go at each other in the battle and they, one bunch kills tens of thousands and they're running and then they capture the king and then bring him to the other king and the king goes, oh my brother, how you doing? And they hug each other and they let each other off. I mean, it's just weird, strange narcissistic behavior. It would be like me and my brother Eddie being related and kind of liking each other but having kind of like a power play all the time. So we would use people in our church to go kill one another to fight over a little. I mean, it's insane. I mean, talk about having no compassion or caring for the people that you rule, uh, but it's just, it was a sickness of the time. I mean, it was, and uh, it's, like I said, it's been like this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and very hard for us to understand this kind of thinking. But you remember that uh, we just read the story of Naaman, the great general, warrior general of the king of uh, Aram, uh, was struck with leprosy, and they heard about Elisha in Aram, and he sends his head general, and this is the guy who's trying to kill your guys half the time, sends them to Israel and says, hey, would you mind having your prophet pray for my guy? And I mean, <laughs> it's just, they're psycho crazy people, these people. Good grief. So anyway, they were doing fine. And now they're at war with each other. And we're going to see in a second here that they're doing fine again. They're going to try and kill each other again. And it's brutal. And it just, like, it doesn't stop. And it was just constantly like this as these kings who, who again, at some level, got along with each other, sometimes even respected each other. Sometimes they kill each other, but very, very weird. Anyway, so through this segment of, of the Bible here, it's Israel and Aram that we keep reading about. Now, uh, Aram is going to war with Israel. Now, after conferring with his officers, he said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up my camp at such and such place. Now, the Bible doesn't say where because that's not the point. It doesn't matter. It's just that he would make a plan, hey, we're going to meet here. Well, then the man of God talking about Elisha prophetically would hear what they were talking about and would know what they're talking about. So then he would send word to the king of Israel. Again, also a kind of a dysfunctional kind of situation. Here we see uh, uh, the prophet and the king kind of getting along to some level and the king's listening to uh, the prophet. The prophet's warning the king. Other times the king's trying to kill the prophet, which we're going to see in a little bit here and we've seen in the past. It's just... Nuts! They're all nuts, these people. Anyway, so 
uh, the man of God sends word to the king. Hey, look out. Beware of passing at such and such place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel would check on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. So we don't know if he just would uh, come and they would see and prepare for the attack because they're there. Or maybe they'd launch counter strikes. We don't know. All we know is that tactically, Israel had this incredible upper hand because every time, no matter what plan they would come up with, boom, Israel knew about it. Now you can imagine the frustration on the hand of the king of Aram and the people of uh, the Arameans. You know, someone's got to be a traitor here. Because every time we come up with a plan, they're there waiting for us. How would they even know that? I mean, if every time we had military decisions about, we're going to go here, we're going to send a special force to strike here or there, and, and the guys are there waiting for us and hammer our guys, you think, man, we got a mole, we got a serious problem, something's out of control here. And that's exactly what we see here. So we see in verse 11, the next verse, that this enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on, is on the side of the king of Israel? Which one of you is a snake and a traitor? Well, none of this, my lord the king, one of his officers said, but Elijah is Elisha, Elisha. Now they knew who Elisha was. Remember, when Naaman, the great general, got sick, they heard about Elisha, they sent uh, the guy to Elisha uh, because... Apparently, Elisha had a better health plan than they had back in Aram, whatever the deal was. And then Elisha prays for him. He gets healed. That had to amaze people because they knew the guy was sick. All of a sudden, boom, he's not sick anymore. How did that happen? This cat over in Israel, Elisha. Wow, pretty amazing stuff. So they knew what was up. They said, look, it's Elisha the prophet who's in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Okay? So he tells him, the very words you speak in secret, this guy can hear. And he's telling the king. Well, then they go on a very bizarre plan. He says, well, go and find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. Anybody see a problem with this plan? Hello? He hears everything you're saying. He knows what you're planning. Everywhere you go anywhere, time and time again, he's aware of it. So now, how do you sneak up on a guy like that? Yeah, we'll sneak up on him. He won't, he, won't, he won't know. You know, he heard the very conversation that they had. So Elisha, he's cool. He's having no problem. So uh, he says, go find out where he is so we can capture him. Well, the report came back. He's in Dothan. Some report. I'm sure Elisha knew he was coming and let everybody know, yeah, here I am in Dothan having a great time. The weather's fabulous. I love the peeps here. They're fabulous, wonderful people. So they go, hey, well, we find out where he is. Like some big coup he, here. And then he sends horses and chariots and a strong force. So he sends his own little special forces unit to go in and capture this prophet Elisha. So, but they went at night and surrounded the city. Again, hello, this is the man who, <laughs> what a bunch of idiots. What part of stupid do these people not get? This is the guy who hears everything you say. What makes you think you can sneak up on the guy? So they sneak up on him, you know, at night. And they surround the city. Well, when the servant of the man of God, the next verse, talking about Elisha, his servant, gets up and goes out the next morning to get the newspaper or whatever they had, and the uh, army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city, he sees all this, he goes, holy stinking cow, what are we going to do? My translation, holy stinking cow. Anyway, so uh, Elisha says in verse 16, don't be afraid, chill out, relax. 
Again, the guy knew what was going on the whole time. And uh, he said, look, those who are with us are a lot more than those that are with them. We got nothing to worry about. Well, clearly the prophet, uh, prophet's servant is all jiggity going, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And Elisha prays and said, oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Open his eyes so that he may see. Excuse me a minute. These, uh, these spring allergies are getting to me. There it is. <laughs> Sorry about that. Maybe y'all get to watch me blow my nose on video. What a thrill that had to be for all of you. Anyway, uh, so anyway, he prays, God, open his eyes. Now, if this is not a prayer, uh, spiritual leaders don't want to pray often. Is Lord, open their eyes. Let them see what I'm seeing. Why? Because oftentimes... We are seeing something, and, and, and sometimes people don't get on the same page, and they become fearful and afraid and paranoid. And we who are given the responsibility of leading uh, people in, in our flocks and our churches and stuff often will pray this kind of a prayer. Lord, open their eyes. Help us all get on the same page. Help us see. Help us to have one vision. Because I'll tell you what, if there's one thing the devil does not want is for us to not all be on the same page. And as you know, most of you know, we've just come through, you know, some challenging times uh, in the dead of winter, uh, and things are fabulous now and stuff. But don't make no mistake. It's not like the devil goes, okay, I give up. He'll be back. Trust me. He'll be back. Question is, when? How long and when? when how long will it be before it comes back? And, uh, and, and we need to be on our guard. The Bible says, be on your guard. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He never stops. He never gives up. So you have, just have to be on top of it and wait for the next attack so you're, so you're ready. So anyway, Elijah prays, God, open their eyes. And again, if there's something Satan fears more than anything, is that we all would see the same thing, have the same purpose, the same vision, the same motivation. Man, if there's anything, I mean, we try to preach this stuff over and over and over again. Man, let's all get on the same page. Let's be a solid church. Let's be a group of people. Not that we all agree about anything or that we all think the same or that we all vote the same way. But let's be a, a group of people that we have a singular purpose to serve Christ and, and, and get behind the vision that God has given us. And the reality is we are a different church. There's all kinds of churches out there. There's a gazillion different churches. All of them are a little bit different. Each one has a different vision, different ministry, different kinds of pastors. You certainly have a very odd pastor, to say the least. And, uh, you know, we have, we're just a different group of people. Uh, we are who we are, and God is going to use us to touch people that other people will never be able to touch, and vice versa with them. So it's, you know, it's, we don't have to be like everybody else. Let's just be who God called us to be. Let us be people, again, who are real who want to belong to one another and want to become everything God has called us to become. So he prays this prayer, Lord, open his eyes. And then the Lord opens the eyes of the servant. And he looks at, and the servant sees the hills are full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So here again, they see this little special forces thing surrounds the city. Ooh, ooh all these tough guys. And Elijah's just chilling. He's a great t having a great time. The 
servant is freaking out. Ah! God opened his eyes. He opens his eyes and he sees what the prophet had been seeing, which is, hey, God is with us. And he sees this huge army of protection around Elijah. That's why Elijah wasn't worried. So anyway, as Elisha uh, came down, uh, I'm sorry, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had said. And then Elisha starts talking to these guys. Now, the whole group of them are blind. They can't see a thing. It's the someone hits the lights. Nobody in this uh, force of guys that came to capture Elisha can see a thing. So Elisha says to him, look, this is not the road and this is not the city. Now follow me and I'll lead you to the man you are looking for. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how you justify all this. He's messing with their heads. He's obviously, <laughs> obviously lying to them. I mean, I wouldn't call it lying, lying like, you know, thou shalt not lie kind of lie, but he's obviously messing with their heads. So these guys are all coming and they're, they want to find this prophet and all of a sudden they all go blind and Elisha, messing with their brains, just shows up and says, hey, uh, this isn't the right road. You guys are the wrong city. Follow me and I'll, I'll show you where to go. And these guys all follow him. Now, honestly, I would a bunch of guys, we are on a military strike and we are going to take somebody out and everybody instantly goes blind the last thing I'm worried about is still finishing the mission. Somebody says, well, the guy you're looking for, he's not here, come follow me. I'd say, well, I don't care where he is. I'm not going anywhere. What happened to the eyes? Everybody has gone blind. Anyway, bizarre. I don't know. Strangest stuff I've ever seen. But anyway, so uh, he comes and messes with their heads. Hey, you're at the wrong place. That's your problem. Follow me. I'll take you to the right place. Well, uh, so he leads them to Samaria or the king of Israel. So he basically leads him right into the heart of the king of Israel's strongest position. And after entering the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opens their eyes, and they looked, and oops. <laughs> there they are inside Samaria. Again, why these guys are following him, I don't know. Of course, they're blind. They probably didn't know what else to do. It's all really kind of tongue-in-cheek here. Elijah's totally messing with their heads. So, boom, these guys look up and they're surrounded. And this is like really bad that they're now seeing. And if they've got to be absolutely terrified, they realize they're up against a mighty man of God who can turn their eyes off and back on again at will. Uh, what would you think? I mean, you'd be pretty freaked out too. Well, so then the king of Israel sees them and he asks Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Again, they're getting along great here. Sometimes they want to kill each or he tries to kill the prophet. And he's going to in a little bit again, try to. Uh, but here they're getting along fine. Calls him my father. Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Is that what you brought him? What do I do with them? Do I kill them all? Well, you know, if you're in the group that got captured, you're voting, no, let him go. <laughs> Don't kill them. <laughs> but they're just sitting there. What are they going to do? But to their glee and delight, I'm sure, they said, he says, Don't kill them. Do not kill them. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? In other words, they're, they're prisoners of war. Generally, when you capture prisoners, you don't kill them. Um, set food and water before them uh, so they have something to eat. Give them a nice meal, then let them go. So, I mean, Elisha's being really, really nice here. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they finished eating and drinking, uh, he sent them away, 
and they returned to their masters. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Well, why? Because they're so nice to them. You know, the Bible has a great verse in Proverbs that says, a soft answer turns away wrath. How do you deal with people who are being really mean to you? Be nice to them back. See what happens. Uh, certainly a principle that Jesus taught us, and we see it throughout the scriptures. Uh, now, in all fairness, this only lasted for a time, and they start trying to kill each other again, because this is what they did. Yeah, they were just crazy people. But so, so the bands stopped raiding Israel's territory. There was a time of peace. They could have killed them all. They went back. They, they fed them. They were really super nice. When they go back, I'm sure they talked to everybody and said, look, this is what happened. We went there. The guy blinded us. Let's not mess with Israel. I mean, at this point, why are you attacking Israel? This is a, this is a no-win scenario. So, so they go back. And then verse 24. Well, sometime later, we don't know how much time went. Could have been years, could have been weeks. I don't know who knows. But probably, probably a longer period of time. But sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, does what? He mobilizes his entire army, and he marches up and lays siege to Samaria. So he's attacking them again. Again, this is on, off, on, off, on, off. Good grief. Well, this time, it gets really bad. Now, all of this is happening apparently in response to a prophecy that Elisha gave the king of Israel uh, that must have gone something like this. The one thing that Israel kept doing and the king of Israel kept doing was sinning against God. Even though God would show up and save them time and time again, they were so stubborn, these people. They just didn't get it. No matter how many times God would forgive them, no matter how many times God's grace came in, no matter how many times the Lord would show up and deliver them and pull them out of the fire, these guys would keep going back to the same things. Good heavens, people. If there's one message we need to get as we read these stories is let's not be like this. Now, it's one thing to struggle. I get it. And it takes some time for some people to break free of patterns and sins that they've been caught up into and they need to be ministered to. And it's cool. And look, if there's one thing we've seen through this is God is awfully patient. I mean, if I were God, if you were God, wouldn't you kill these people a long time ago? I mean, they're, they're out of control. But God would constantly cut them a break, constantly cut. Even the worst of them, God would keep cutting breaks over and over and over again. But at some point, they would cross a line and boom, they would uh, miss out with God. You say, can that happen with us? A lot of people debate that. Look, don't even get, don't even get close to the line. I mean, why even push this? Why keep insulting God over and over again in your life and refusing to repent and keep doing the same sins over and over and over and over and over again? At some point, it's going to cost you. All right? God is going to show up, and it's not going to be a good thing for you. It's one thing when the world hates you. It's another thing when the devil hates you, which both probably much do, and they're giving you a hard time. You don't want to make an enemy out of God in your life when God has to show up and discipline you. This is bad. All right? So let's not get caught into the same behaviors over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Even though a lot of people struggle, and you might be struggling, and you might have been struggling for a while, I get that. God's very merciful. He'll keep speaking to you. We'll keep ministering to you. But at some point, you've got to get this. It has to stop. It has to stop. And with Israel, it would never stop. No matter what God did, no matter he'd sin over and over again and over and over again. So basically, 
uh, God um, must speak to Elisha. He said, how do you know this? Because we're going to find out in a minute that the king is really mad at Elisha and is blaming Elisha for what's happening. So Elisha must have prophesied, because of your wickedness, I'm going to send an army and they're going to traumatize you and whatever. So this is this, is this judgment of God that's coming down on Israel. And they laid siege to Samaria. Now what that means is uh, they would surround the city and uh, take total control of everything and, and cut off all the water or food or whatever you know, that they could and basically, basically starve out the inhabitants. This is tactical stuff that they did for many, many years. Uh, even to this day, I mean, we don't do anything like this, but we'll come against countries and have embargoes and all kinds of things. Well, you're trying to starve them out, basically make life so miserable for them that they will, they will yield. Okay? Rarely works today, but, uh, but then <laughs> we're not anything like this. I mean, when these guys came against people and starved them out, they weren't kidding. So he laid siege to Samaria, and the famine in the city was great. Now check this out. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. In other words, a cruddy piece of the donkey. First of all, who wants to eat donkey? But So they were down to eating donkeys, and not only donkeys, but the very head. We're not talking yum-yum here. We're talking ikikaka here. And even a donkey's head would go for 80 shekels of silver. Hugely. What he's trying to say is how much food became at this point was through the roof uh, because of this severe uh, famine that's going on as a result of the siege. I mean, it wasn't a famine, but it was, it was, a, it was a siege uh, of this army that was surrounding them and cutting off all of, their, uh, all of their food supplies. So it says that so a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods, which <laughs> so, sold for five seconds. A cab of seed pods. Now, if you look in the notes of your Bible or if you have other translations, some of you will see that a, a lot of the translation was um, that it was for a, uh, a cab of dove's dung. In other words, dove crap is what you could get for this amount of thing. It's one of the things I don't like about the uh, NIV translation, and by and large, I, I do like the NIV translation, but they, they seem to always go at every opportunity to soften anything that might become a little bit too gross or uh, if there's some way of wording something that wasn't, isn't quite offensive, they'll find a way of saying it. Which, you know, I don't know who these guys are, but don't protect us from the Bible for crying out loud. If it says they paid a bunch of money for a bunch of dove crap, then just say it for heaven's sakes. But anyway, they said, well, he could have meant, you know, possibly a seed of pods, you know. Da, da, da. Look, the context is, and other translations have it this way, that a donkey's head was a fortune, and even a bunch of crap from a dove was expensive. I mean, what the picture here is, this is miserable. They are suffering horribly. And uh, check this out. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, Help me, my lord, the king. And the king replied, If the lord does not help you, what am I going to be able to do for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, Okay, what's the matter? And she said this, Well, the woman, this woman said to me, 
give up your son so we can eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. Uh, but the next day I said, well, let's not eat your son. Uh, but she's hidden him. Oh, my gosh. This is how horrid the conditions are in this city as a result of this siege. That they have gone to cannibalizing their own children. And uh, when we come back uh, next week, we will pick up on this and find out what the response is the king has to this and uh, does God get him out of this mess? This is very fascinating stuff, but this is, this is about as bad as it can get when you start eating your own children because you are so desperately hungry. So we'll pick this up again next week. See you then!